Amen and praise the Lord. And I hope that you can say within your heart that we want the healer more than the healing. Amen. It is wonderful to get healing from the Lord. But are we willing to serve him even if the healing doesn't come? You know, for some, it takes a long time for that healing to come. But we still push forward and we still serve. And for some, we pray for healing and they get the ultimate healing. Are we willing to still praise the Lord then? You know, as we come today and we, we look around with all that's going on in America and around the world today, some people say, is God at work? I'm here to answer you quickly and simply, yes. But today I want us, as we look in our scripture in just a moment, to understand that it's sometimes working in ways that we don't necessarily see it. And we understand that God is working all around us, and he's oftentimes working in advance. I do, as we make our way in here, just want to, to mention a few things um, prior to getting into the message this morning. Don't forget, as soon as we finish, don't run right out the door. We have just a real short business meeting that we want to go over. And your pastor also asks that y'all be praying for me this week. There's been something on my heart for a while, a, a discipline, and I'm going to embark on that discipline this week. I'll be leaving this evening, uh, going to Clara Springs Camp to just get away by myself and the Lord. Asking him, I, I figure it'll take some time to kind of unwind and come down, but asking that the Lord would speak to me and fill me and give me direction as we get ready to move into Thanksgiving and Christmas and the new year coming. Uh, prayer meeting will still be here Wednesday night. Brother Robert uh, Springer will be bringing a short devotion and there'll be some prayer time, and then I'll be coming back either late Wednesday or early Thursday morning. But I ask that y'all be praying for me during this time as, as I feel the Lord calling me to do this, to just get away, me and him, out in the wilderness and spend some time. So y'all be praying that the Lord would speak to me vitally during this time. Amen. Because God is at work. And I believe that, and I believe sometimes we can get so wrapped up in everything going on around us that we miss God working. We know he is, and we see it, and we understand that in our mind, but I want us today to look at Acts chapter 10 and get an idea of God moving and see how God was at work and how we can see that, how we can understand that, because, you know, a lot of times things are happening, and until we understand those things and what it looks like, we might miss it. And I believe that even during this time, some of them were wondering if God was even working or moving. Did Jesus ascend up to heaven and then just totally forget about what's going on? You know, there is a group of people today, and that's exactly what they believe. They believe that there is a God. They believe that God created the universe, and then he just stepped away and let it run itself. But I don't believe that one bit. We see in Scripture where he was still active, and I cannot help but see God at work and understand how he's working in people's lives, and each of you can testify how you've experienced him to say that he's not here. He is at work, and we are so grateful for that. 
because what we believe we're going through today is rough. Pardon the expression, but I believe it would be truth that if God was to remove himself, we would be living hell on earth, figuratively and literally. Our God is still here and he's still active. Let's take a look this morning, Acts chapter 10, if you would please stand as we read uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now therefore there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent the men to Joppa. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky open up and an object like a great sheet coming lower down by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. And again a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in the mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, two men who had been sent by Cornelius having asked directions for Simon's house appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. But Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. Father God, thank you for your word. Father, I pray today that you would help us to hear from you as Holy Spirit speaks. Father, would we be in tuned? Father, would you help me in my flesh to, to just kind of step aside, Lord, and be a vessel that's empty and willing to be used by you. Father, may you speak through me today. And Father, may we all hear a word from you. 
And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. So we have a lot going on in these scriptures, and I always tell you all this, whenever you look and you see, well, preacher just read 23 scriptures, we're going to be out of here all day long. No, we'll be out of here on time, I promise you, or they're very close to it. But I believe there's a lot packed in here and some very important things that we need to pick up on. And understanding that God is at work, we need to see how it's setting up. If you remember last week that I told you is Peter had made his way over to Joppa that God is always at work and God was setting up the stage for the next part of God's working. And as we go through stages of life and things change, God is oftentimes setting us up for the next step. He's putting us in place because God was getting ready to tell Cornelius that was up in Caesarea to come down to Joppa to find Peter. Well, God had to get Peter there to Joppa. So you remember last week as he went there to do that healing, God put him there, gave them the opportunity to begin sharing the word, and he spent some time there at Joppa. And that's where we're picking up today. Caesarea is a town there uh, close to the water. There's a palace that is there. I've been there. There's an, an arena there where they used to race chariots. There's an amphitheater there. And all of this was there. And that's what's going on as they're by the sea. And we understand that this gentleman, Cornelius, he was a centurion. found this very interesting when reading the history. I have always heard of, and most of the times, a lot of times we hear of a, a centurion as someone over a hundred people. But in this Italian cohort, a centurion was actually over 80 men. So Cornelius was a leader. They believed, of course, you've got to go through all the history. Uh, but many believe he had maybe already retired out and he was coming back because of some conflicts. But he was a centurion over 80 men. And the cohort consisted of uh, groups of centurions to a total of 600 men for a battle. And these were Italian, and they had come into the Rome. And many people loved to serve in the army because they were promised something. found this very interesting. Whereas you might have slaves, or you might have people moving into the, the Roman area, and they want to get away from the other leaders. If you served your term in the army about 20 years, you would be given Roman citizenship. If you were still alive. That was the trick. There was a catch to it. But those who made it through. So some would want to serve. And Cornelius being a leader. He's come. And we see here that it tells us that Cornelius was a one who was feared by God. The first thing we're going to look at this morning is Cornelius' vision. God gave in his work a vision to Cornelius. And Cornelius was a devout man, one who feared God. Most likely, Cornelius was not a believer at this time, but he was in the process of becoming a full Jew. A lot of times uh, when you see the one who feared God, they were maybe in that process. Uh, you know, Jews had to be circumcised. Most history would say when this person is in this line that they probably have not been through circumcision. But he did have a belief that there was a God. We see that he feared God and that he prayed to him. 
But I also found it interesting there, verse 2, said with all of his household. Today, when we take a census and we look at a household, oftentimes it's a husband, a wife, and children. Not fully sure here, was Cornelius married or not? Because Cornelius, being part of the centurion, being a leader in the army, the army people were not allowed to be married. So was Cornelius retired and married? Or is this referring to Cornelius and his servants that were with him and those that were underneath him? Either way, those who were connected to him, probably through his leadership, feared who God was. He gave alms to the Jewish people. But here's the vision. Let's look verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch or send two men or some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he explained everything, he sent them to Joppa. So there's a lot packed in there with Cornelius' vision. And I love that where it says that in the ninth hour on the day he... what. He clearly saw a vision. If you're going to see a vision today, how many of you would like to see a clear vision? You want to understand what it is? And I'm so thankful that God, at this particular time, we see God told him specifically what to do. And we understand there are times that God tells us, but there's sometimes, and we've seen it in the past with Abraham, to go, and then I'll tell you what to do. But Cornelius is given a specific vision it was very clear and God spoke to him very clearly and he told him exactly what to do I want you to take some men I want you to send them to Joppa and go find Simon now isn't it amazing that God wanted to give all of this go find Simon a man also called Peter why was that important do you remember who Peter was staying with a man named Simon, a tanner. Can you imagine how this would have played out if Cornelius would have sent his men to go get Simon and they come back with the tanner? They probably wouldn't have got the message. So go for the man named Simon, who is also called Peter. Now when they went into the area, the tanners are most likely, because they're dealing with the dead animals, they're on the outskirts of town, but these men had to begin looking and finding directions, and people would have known them. But I want you to understand, as we're looking at the whole picture here, we've, we've read this set of passage, that God works through others. Amen? God has worked through others to reach me. God has worked through others to reach you. God works through others to accomplish his miracles. And sometimes, guess what? We are the others. God uses us to work in other people's lives. So God is using Cornelius here to bring Peter to Caesarea for something very important. And we're going to see as we make our way there. He brought them there, Cornelius was used by God, but secondly there in Cornelius' vision, he had to listen. 
I can imagine that God could have spoke to him and Cornelius could have chosen not to listen. If it was today's time, oftentimes God speaks. And probably if we would have a, a vision like this and God speak, we would begin to wonder, what did I eat for supper? There's something in my head. It's, maybe it's heartburn. I don't know. But he had to listen. But I believe that's why God come in a clear vision and he spoke directly to Cornelius and he listened and then we see that Cornelius was obedient you know God can't work through those who are not obedient to his commands it says there in verse 7 when the angel who was speaking to him had left he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who was in his personal attendance and after he had explained everything to them he did what? he sent them on to Joppa. Cornelius could have said, Lord, amen. Praise you, Lord, I heard you. Thank you for the vision. Now I'm going to lunch. No, he had to obey. For God to use people, they have to obey when God speaks. Secondly, I want us to dive into not just Cornelius' vision, but how about Peter's vision? There at verse 9, we see that Peter got a vision. It says on the next day, that would be after the day that Cornelius had his vision, did he send them immediately or did they leave the next day? It's not for sure, but we do know that they traveled some about 30 miles by feet or maybe by horse, so it would have took some time. But they got there at about the sixth hour. You know, the sixth hour is one of my favorite times of the day. How many of you like lunch? The sixth hour is about noon. Peter's up on the top of the house, and he's probably praying as he normally does, and he begins to get hungry. And in this time of being hungry, the Lord chooses to use that. Let's see. On the housetop, Peter went up to the house about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparation, while the meal was being prepared for the house, he fell into a trance, and he saw the sky open up, and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. I'll stop there just a second. Peter, come out of the, the Jewish... Remember the laws that they were given, dietary laws? You can eat this animal. You can't eat that animal. You can eat this creature. You can't eat that creature. You can eat this type of fish. You, you can't eat that. He was a religious man. We talked about this last week. Is God? I said God was preparing to change Peter from being a religious man to a man following after God's heart. Remember he reached out his hand and he touched a girl that had been dead. He's staying in the home of a tanner who deals with dead animals. God is at work in Peter's life, and he's fixing to change Peter, and he's fixing to, in the very next few moments, change all of history and eternity. Peter's hungry. He's a religious man, and down in his vision out of heaven comes this sheet, and it's got all kinds of animals in it. 
Well, now, no, we've got to understand them. Not only can we not eat certain animals, if that animal touches another animal, you don't eat it. It's dirty. It's unclean. Stay away from it. Run. Don't touch it. But God is letting this down in front of Peter, and he tells him to get up, kill, and eat. Peter, being religious, what did he tell him? Verse 14, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. So we see that God uses the natural parts of life when he works through us. He uses where we are in our situations. And I believe he's using here that Peter's become hungry. What better way to get his point across than to bring down this sheet full of animals, some clean, some unclean, all kinds, and tell him to eat. And Peter says, I'm not going to eat, Lord, because it's wrong. I got to follow my religious rules. But he was told to eat. And when he said that he had never done that, uh, verse 15, and again a voice came to him a second time. Here it is. Listen to this. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. Verse 15 changes all of eternity. And it changed it for the positive for every one of you sitting in this room. I find it amazing. People love to take this verse partially out of context. Have you ever, people say, I can eat whatever I want to eat. God said in scripture that what he's cleaned is clean. Now take it, we, we eat catfish today. We love catfish, amen. They couldn't eat catfish back then. So there are some things, but what we have to look at is where is this verse in Scripture and what is it talking about? Peter had to come to a crisis of a belief. Those of you who were in our group, you remember that term. A crisis of belief. God is asking Peter to do something. The command is coming from God. Peter has to decide, do I want to stay where I'm at, or do I believe that God can accomplish what God is wanting to do? He had to come to a Christ of belief. Am I going to eat what's before me, or am I going to stay with my religious belief? And there was a struggle there. And it said a second time, it said this happened in verse 16, this happened three times. Can you imagine being somewhere... And everything you know is now told to you by God to do something. Was God talking about food right here? Is that what this verse is talking about? Not at all. You have two groups of people primarily back then. Jews and Gentiles. This Roman area that they're at in Joppa and Caesarea, primarily Caesarea, is both Jew and Gentile, predominantly Gentile. And do y'all remember what we know about Jews and Gentiles? They hate each other. Uh, that's just the politest way to put it. To a Jew, a Gentile is what? Dirty 
and unclean. Jesus, or God, has now sent this vision to Peter with this food, and he's telling him to take and eat. Peter says, I can't do that. And then God said, what I have cleansed is cleansed. In other words, Peter, get ready. You're fixing to be the messenger to go into Gentile territory and deliver my message. Praise God that he chose to do that because none of us sitting here today would be here today if God had not sent his message to the Gentile people. And let's look at how this vision plays out. The vision at work is the third thing there in your notes. At verse 17 it says, Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold the men who had been sent by Cornelius asking directions for Simon's house appeared at the gate. And calling out they were asking whether Simon who was also called Peter was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up and go downstairs and accompany them without misgiving, for I have sent them myself. And Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you've come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. The, vis- the vision at work comes through determination. You know, I've had times in my life where I felt maybe God was leading me to do something and, and I began in that direction and a part of the way through it's like I come to a roadblock. And I say, okay, I'm done. I did what I was supposed to do. And I go about my life. These men being used by God, sent by Cornelius, trying to find Peter, I promise you they didn't just walk up to the house and say, hey, is Peter up there? They had to look. They had to ask questions. They had to to search. I'm sure they possibly went from place to place and they finally found someone who knew Simon the Tanner and they sent him over there and from there they began to speak and they found where Peter was at. So there is some determination on the part of the one God is using, but I also see in here that there's respect. These men sent by Cornelius, it tells us there that they were part of his group. Was that um, He summons a devout soldier and some servants. Centurions had power. He sent a soldier... These men could have easily opened the gate and walked into Simon's house and began to ask questions. But we see that they came up. They had some respect. And they began to speak, trying to find out if that's where Simon was at. Why do we need respect if we're going to be used by God when God's at work? I've seen it happen. God sends someone to share a message. This is just the, the particular incidents coming to mind here. And, you know, how easy is it for us to look at someone's lifestyle? We're good at this and say, 
know that. Them? And maybe we want to share the idea that, you know, God created a perfect world and that sin came into that world. And through God sending his son Jesus to die on the cross, we can have forgiveness of sin and we can spend all eternity with him. But if you don't, you're going to hell. Truthful, correct? But are you going to get any response? If you just barge in, I, I knew some people, church, Summer Grove I went to, and they would go out on, what's it, Monday night visitation. And the associate pastor and this other guy, they had befriended this man, and they would go, and they would sit down, and they would visit with him. They never shared the gospel right away. They would go and they would visit time after time again, being respectful and waiting for the opportunity. That's hard to do, isn't it? Wait for the opportunity. Do you know they visited with this man for over five years before they felt from Holy Spirit that it was time to share the gospel? They had to be respectful because if you turn someone off, it's hard to win a brother that you've turned away. We've got to be respectful in what we do. And there has to, again, be obedience. These men went. But I want you to notice now that Cornelius had the vision. Our center focus here is on Peter and his vision. That the things that were unclean, that God says is clean, are clean. And God told Peter, verse 19... Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them. Peter, these men coming to you, I'm telling you, it's okay. And then we see at the very last verse that he invited them in and gave them lodging. We're at Simon's house. You have these Gentiles who are from Caesarea who are now there. And they have been obedient. Peter, along with the other Simon, is obedient and invites these, as they would call them, unclean, into the house for the night. It was too late to travel back. But what's fixing to happen that we must understand looking at this is God is at work. God has orchestrated from the beginning of time to create a world. And he knew that sin had entered in. And at a divine and appointed time, God chose to send his own son down to come to earth to be clothed in flesh for the purpose of dying on a cross. And you know, it had to happen at a certain time. God did not just wake up one day and say, oh, today's the day I think I'm going to send Jesus. Things had to be ready Certain time, festival time, Passover, everyone in Jerusalem. The road system had now began to spread out so the network of the message could carry around everywhere. God is at work even in the smallest little things. I believe strongly God is at work even in COVID time. God is at work even in the turmoil of our nation right now. We don't always see it. And I am thankful that we don't always see the whole picture. Many of us would love to say, Oh God, if you could just show me the whole picture. 
We think that'd be wonderful. But I believe we wouldn't be able to handle the whole picture. That's why God, it's almost like a, a uh, what's some old things you used to have? Was it slides that would turn around, you'd hit the little button, and it would turn and put the next one in and put the picture up on the screen? We don't have an 8 millimeter running showing us the whole thing. He shows us the snippets that we need to see so that we can be obedient enough to follow. But we've got to have hope. That's the reason we're different from the rest of the world, church, because we know God is at work. Even when you look around and the nation wants you to think there is no God or he's useless or he's stepped away, we as believers have hope because we see him working. Because we're looking, God is at work. And it takes determination and respect and obedience. And what's fixing to happen is Peter is fixing to make his way to Caesarea and begin to change history by going to the Gentiles, being bold enough to say that they're clean or that you can talk to them and be willing to share the gospel. The Jews, you didn't do that. It was for them. They were the only ones. And now the message is fixing to begin to spread. Remember we've been looking at Acts and talking about the church as in the big church, the ecclesia, the the church of Jesus Christ, and how he was told that you go to Jerusalem. That's happened. You go to Judea, they've branched out. Now they're going to the remotest parts of the earth. How amazing it is that this is happening in Joppa. We touched on this last week. Jonah went to Joppa to flee sharing the message with the Gentiles. Peter is in Joppa being called by God and willing to go and share the message with the Gentiles. And that's where we're going to begin to expound on and begin to look as the church moves out next year. Starting back in January, we're going to pick back up in Acts and we're going to begin to see God move in such mighty ways. I'm so excited as we see that happening. We're going to take the next few time. We've got Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas time coming up. So we're going to be moving in some directions during that time. But leave your marker there because we're going to pick back up in Acts. And we're going to see the church explode as never before and what the church must go through today as we finish out Acts next year. Amen. May God bless y'all. Let's bow our heads.